変身
I'm a frazzled mess of a host. I was a uh, just outside in like negative six. So I'm like, ah, but I'm here and I'm here to, to talk about tokusatsu. And ooh, we got some tokusatsu to talk about. We do, yes. Uh, in case you are not keeping track and just uh, click this episode for the fun vaccine talk, which would be weird because it's not in the title at all. I can guarantee that. But uh, <laughs> this is our fourth part of our Comrade Kiva book club, looking at episodes 25 through 32 of Comrade Kiva. And yeah, um, uh, how are your holidays, Steph? The, how you don't really celebrate too much at that time? <laughs> um, well, I mean, kind of circling back to our original theme opening up there, time has no meaning anymore. Um, I am vaccinated and have a booster shot and somehow still managed to catch the variant when we had a giant family gathering last week. So if anybody was wondering if our timeline seems just a tad bit off, totally my fault because I was like, yes, it would definitely be a good idea to go spend Christmas with 50 of our closest relatives. Definitely will not ever have anything bad happen. So goes without saying that my first week back to work in the new year, I ended up missing half of that first week. So yeah, um, one part of me doesn't feel that bad about it because you know, fuck capitalism. But on the other hand, like, come on, I, I, did everything right this entire time. And then I, I feel like I got like knocked out in the last round. It's, it's depressing. No. Honestly. Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad you're okay. Like you were definitely like, just knocked bad by it too. But I was like, Oh, but like, I'm, I'm glad you were like, <laughs> you seem like you were like in a bad way, but in a bad way in a certain range where I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, I was in a bad way where I still had just enough energy thanks to getting vaccinated that I was pissed. And so I feel like that's the energy I was bringing to it. Like, I can't record this week because I'm too weak and exhausted. But let me tell you, it fucking infuriates me. So I still had just enough energy to be angry at the um, vaccination deniers around me who had happened to put me in that position. Uh, We had a Christmas we saw people for Christmas Eve, I think, or no. Um, we didn't see people Christmas because somebody had a vaccination scare that lived in another state, so the whole party got canceled. But then, like New Year's, nobody had made contact with that person. But like, we were told, "Hey, come to our house before at six. We're having a party. Come at noon. Leave by four. It's like okay, makes sense. And then like the people from the like that like weren't part of that unit showed up and there was like four families there and i was like super pissed i was like hey we like specifically like (laughs) didn't want to be in this situation and then of course like somebody that we had seen had everybody they'd spent the day with before get covid (laughs) so it was like one yeah, step removed. Pretty much very similar to what happened to us. Like when we went down, the initial plan was we were just going to be with immediate family. And then because like the extended out family hadn't really planned anything, they all ended at my in-laws houses, which usually isn't that big of a deal. Like, great. You know, we don't get to visit very often. It's great to see family. But we are in the middle of a fucking pandemic right yeah. now. Um, so the fact that the plan hadn't made beforehand and then 
because of the last minuteness of that plan, we got exposed. I was not the most understanding person and was reciting an impressive litany of curses for at least three or four days in a row. There. I always thought it was exceedingly messed up to show up without being announced when there's not a virus. Yes. Like, <laughs> and like, you're not vaccinated. You don't get, you don't have rights. Fuck you. Go away. Exactly. It's, uh, like, the problem too is like, it's the same kind of lie steppers. Like, I've definitely like known people too in like a family, not my own sometimes, but like that, like, have been like really shitty parts of like problems and then like still showing up like got announced <laughs> to like birthday parties for like somebody who like they made them lose their house one time for example <laughs> yeah and it's always that person that like they know like conventionally most people are too polite to say anything and that's why they show up because they know that like they'll get away with making everyone uncomfortable so it always turns into this overly tense situation. It's always a yeah, person I completely get it. that's like, oh, you don't want to fight with your grandmother, so I'm going to make you mad at me for being an asshole. Exactly. So I just got, so I became the person that's like, oh, I'm going to tell my grandmother and that person to fuck off. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> I'm going to tell my grandma to walk up. Fuck you, Nana. I'm done with this shit. No, just uh, I have no pace for the people and families that facilitate. <laughs> like, I just like, I just, uh, you know, I'm just like. Oh, no, I'm with you. Yeah. Just like, ah. And, and that's that's us, too. It, it was even funnier because, like, every time somebody would say something like even minutely out of step or like would be very proud of their kind of ignorance and with anything politically. You could, like, see my wife and half of her family look at me like, for the love of God, please, please don't, don't, whatever is about to happen, just don't. And I would just put my head down and, like, go grab a cracker or something so I wouldn't be my usual obnoxious self. So, yeah. So when you grab the cracker, were you, like, choking them? Were you punching them? Or is it, like, a, like, judo throw? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was telling them... We don't even like this type of cracker here. There are so many different types of crackers you could choose to be, and you choose to be the worst kind. What is going on with your life and decisions? Yeah, no, just, uh, just, oh, man, like, uh, oh, these crackers expired on January 6th. (laughs) Uh, White people. (laughs) Uh, But no, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of anything like fun media wise. Um, have you seen Cobra Kai? No. And we had this discussion on an earlier episode and I did say it was I was going to put it on my list of things to watch. And I definitely need to now that I know a new season has been released. But um, actually, in my illness while I had COVID, I finally watched Dairy Girls, which I know how late I am on that, too. So that's just to prove to you how far behind i am on netflix trends no true um i never watched girls i uh (laughs) yeah i just um i'm so off trends like it's basically like for some reason like lately it was like oh like star wars and cobra kai i was like oh i'm part of the i'm watching the things everyone else is watching that's odd (laughs) you finally got to be that guy just like 
so often something will come out and like, oh, it's whatever is watching. Like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> the big one for me, probably of like recent years, was like besides Game of Thrones. Um, oh, what is the one? Um, Westworld. That show, I just like fell asleep during. I was just like, oh yeah, elaborate. Oh yeah, artificial intelligence. Oh, what if artificial intelligence? What if intelligence is <laughs> elaborate? Oh, this is so unique. I've never read any cyberpunk or sci-fi before. Just, <laughs> but you know. Yeah. Uh, I And I get it. And I've never watched either. And part of the reason was because of like every way that people described it, like it had no appeal for me. But even then, when people are like, oh, you really love the cyberpunk aesthetic, you'd like that. And I'm like, no, because all the rest of you have already told me things that I don't think I would like about it. So I'm not even going to give it a chance. Fuck you. And I hate that part of my attitude, but that's what happens when people overhype things. Okay. I just. So, like, all the first season of that show, there's like a bunch of people. I'm talking Westworld, but like, they're talking about, like, oh, like. What is the truth of the identity and what is what for these robots? And then, oh, like, there's a scene where this person gets, like, this robot gets scalped. And then, like, this dude shows this other dude that, like, the robot scalp has a labyrinth on the inside. And I was like, oh my fucking God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm glad I didn't waste my time because the way you just described it was what I was afraid of and why I didn't give it a chance. I was like watching the finale of season one and then I just like fell asleep <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, this is I shouldn't put myself through this. Uh, but no, um, I need more sci fi in my life, which is probably why I'm rewatching Stargate and I'm reading the Expanse books. But uh, no, um, how was Dairy Girls, though? That's in the troubles, right? Like in the 90s. Yeah, and excuse me, actually, for any um, one of us that was like a teenager in the 90s, I'm so sorry with the weather changes here, all the allergies are kicking up. But um, anyone who was a teenager in the 90s, like even obviously not growing up in a small village in Ireland, there's so much about like the sense of style and like how the characters interact with each other and the music playing in the background like you're definitely going to get that deep nostalgia feel on top of the fact that like the entire cast are absolutely brilliant and have this comedic timing that is second to none so even though they've got like these very serious undertones obviously with you know the troubles and all the kind of like uh religious and cultural issues that were happening at the time, they still managed to write it in such a way that you, you'll you find yourself continuously, like, giggling at what the characters get themselves into. So I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Just, and, you know, if you feel like you're someone who has a hard time understanding accents, which I know some people are, put on the subtitles, you're not going to miss the jokes. Like, it's all, you know, still going to be there right in front of you, so definitely give it a view have you found yourself in the past like five-ish years using subtitles more because i feel like a lot of people have started using them way more maybe it's just like a leftover thing from anime or like more non like english stuff but i feel like a lot more people now use subtitles i didn't used to unless it was like because every once in a while and i'm not a person that will sit down and watch like a lot of tv or films or anything for the most part but every once in a while i would go to watch a film that looked interesting in another language and i would 
<clears throat> use them then. But, you know, um, probably within the past nine months or so, for whatever reason, my daughter decided that she preferred to watch everything with subtitles. So even though previously I'd only watched them when it was like shows like you and I were watching together, I would obviously have to watch subtitles. I had gotten used to it doing that, so I didn't really notice at first. Um, when she started doing with everything that we watched. And then there were a couple of shows that it actually did make quite a bit of difference because there's always going to be those shows that you watch where the volume is really freaking low and then you go to turn it up and the music blows your eardrums out. So now we can keep it on like a more val balanced level and still not miss as much of the dialogue. So it definitely has its merits. Yeah, no, I feel like there's a lot of that like probably mentioned how like sounds not mixed well where it's like you can't tell between like it's like super high for dialogue and then like something happens it's like blowing up like your whole like room and stuff or um exactly yeah. the same thing happens with like like how dark a lot of scenes are too you're like this scene's so freaking dark and there's no color just have some light have some color sometimes please oh yeah definitely and especially if you get used to like looking at colors playing video games on your computer monitor, which I do a lot more often than I watch TV. Every once in a while, I'll be watching a TV show and be like, man, they really need to fire whoever animated this. And then I like have to have that come back to Jesus. But I'm like, yep, this isn't what we're doing right now. We're not playing Grand Theft Auto. No, I more often than not, like have like my TV on like bright in the middle of the night for like certain like shows like the Mandalorian was like one where I was like, show's so freaking dark i can't see anything this is like <laughs> midnight and like it's on bright what is happening right now yeah there must be like a real thing going on but also i would much prefer subtitles to like a like dub for example or just like i mostly have them on like on like things that are that are in english nowadays mm -hmm. something else sub though is our subject for today Ooh, sub subject those words aren't the same. Uh, <laughs> oh, you could feel the fresh from the job site uh, vibe for me today. But uh, as I uh, scrape off the placenta of capitalism, let's start with Comrade Akiva. Uh, so our first chunk for today was uh, so it's 25 through 26 um, fanfare. The Queen's Awakening. And 26 um, metronome miraculous memory. So I took notes in a different way, but then like some stuff happened. So I'm a little worried about the clarity of my notes. I decided to take notes by character on what they did across both episodes. <laughs> and that might not be optimal, but I'm going to try. I'm also going to do my best because I also decided to try a new way of doing notes because we were trying to get through our issues with condensing topics. So I was writing only very standout moments. But of course, that was while I was watching these episodes two and a half weeks ago. So I'm going to do my best to try and remember at what point I had that particular thought now. And I really should have added some more clarity for myself. No, totally the same. So like what I did was like, Wataru, Otoya, Nago, Yuri, Megubi, Mio. And then, like, it was like, <laughs> I went back, like, last week and, like, added a number next to them for which one I sh should talk about first. So it's, like, all weird order, too. So it's like, 
Okay, so like the second person is mark number one. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Well, this should be a fun one, folks. Buckle in. So first, let's start with uh what how Toya is doing here. Uh because he starts uh this chunk by getting the omelet rice from Yuri and calling it plain, but then like taking both plates and saying he'll eat it for the rest of his life. It's a very fun moment. Yeah, it's very sweet for them. I loved it. Yeah, and like I couldn't help but like this whole time, like he's like not today, penis, whatever, like Maya shows up and she's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, Nope. Nuh-uh. Okay, a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like he's like really like super flirty still, but like in like a way where he's like, ah, like you are beautiful, but not as beautiful as my feelings for Yuri. Uh yeah, I, and I think that that's what's so charming about him because everything he does always has been in like a very silly manner. Mm-hmm. But then seeing him as like this in love guy who is finally having his affection reciprocated makes him silly in a different way, and it's still very entertaining to watch. And I love too uh, the way that Yuri laughs at him. She looks like she loves him so much. Yes, yeah, and and she's literally laughing at him just like. Every girl who's ever fallen in love with their best friend does. And it's just it's so fun to watch because they have such a realistic dynamic with that whole relationship. Yeah, um, I like um, really do love the way they've taken it, too. And like, I uh, think like like um, I'm not sure, like how the rest of the show goes, but like I like did not remember liking them so much. Mm-hmm. He joins the wonderful blue sky organization and becomes Ixa. Um and then like um we see uh to cross over to Maya for a bit. She like just murders someone and then he like comes around the corner and is like, oh hello. Here's this gay like beautiful flower. Except not really. Nice to see you, but bye. <laughs> and then like that's when Rook shows up. He assumes like Rook is hunting Maya, but Rook is actually like hunting him because he has a flower in his pocket. Oh, like he like grabs her to save her, and she's like confused. Like, all right, these fangires keep falling in love. I might as well like talk to this dude. He's at least like good at violin, entertaining. Yeah, and he keeps showing up, so she's kind of familiar with him by this point. And um, he tries to fight the Rook, like, but like first it's like she talks to the Rook and is like, oh, like he's just some dude who like I probably like. Show me what love is. Like, I want to know what love is. <laughs> Foreigner vibes. Yep. And um, I just, man, I love in some old, in like a lot of older writers show, they don't have as many forms. So he just like is Ixa and he just gets his ass kicked so bad in this fight. He like is like, I have to fight. It's great. Yeah, it's, and once again, very, I think, like, true to his character to not just, like, walk in and immediately be kick-ass at it, because it's not what he wants to do. It's not anything he has any desire to be involved in, so it's played very true to, like, the part he's been playing this entire time series. And then, like, the belt backfires on him, and he gets amnesia, and then um, he see yeah. Yeah, but like a very generalized, unspecified form of amnesia that seems to be very targeted. The only thing he remembers is that, well, like he got out. Oh, so after he 
started dating Yuri. She moved into his violin house and they love each other. And then she was like, here's this watch that says like from Yuri on it. He's like, oh, it's a great gift. And like, um, he like tells her, um, I will cherish this. What can I do for you? And they have that conversation about like a ring. She lost at a beach. That was her mother's. Um, but like, so he only remembers that there's a woman that loves him, like named Yuri. So Maya is like, this is perfect. <laughs> I'm Yuri. <laughs> Honestly, great. Mm-hmm. What a messy, just what a messy bitch. Just, yeah. Uh, it it made me laugh because like it it did feel very like soap operatic and kind of cliched, but. I think that I was able to appreciate it just for the simple fact that they really didn't drag it out any longer than they needed to. It was still cheesy, but it was kind of wrapped up in a neat little way. I'll say. I just love how it's a soap opera about this like guy trying not to be horny for this queen of the stained glass monsters. It's really funny to me. And especially because it's like, you know, every single episode that you've seen her make an appearance in, she's come in, like, kicked ass and then walked off. So you kind of can't not have a crush on her. Like, she plays a very consummate role in, like, kind of being the witch queen of your dreams or whatever. And I do love how, like, both of their arcs is like, oh, man, like, uh, super don't want to fall in love with you. Right. Unless. <laughs> Unless, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. So where we'll stop for him for there is that Maya saves him from Rook. Um, and then the second character of importance for me uh, was Wataru. These episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. So he like starts like this whole batch just like being cute at the cafe with Mio. It's like, oh, like I'd love to try like your cooking sometime. Like, you want to be a chef? Oh, that's nice. Uh, and like he's kind of like not in, not in this chunk too much because like we next see him like moping after Mio like breaks up with him and like in the bath mm-hmm. with like his new dragon friend like tats it a lot and stuff <laughs> yeah he is shown in the bathtub like an obscene amount so it's kind of something I feel like you have to get used to very early on in the series Uh, I haven't watched the series forever, but I will say that bath time has not even started yet. Good to know. You will know what I mean at some point. <laughs> There's at least <laughs> two other notable bath times of extreme importance. Fantastic. And I will say, uh, all men. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we have to see the heterosexual bonding masculinity uh and some somehow in these shows it always comes down to that heterosexual bonding not making any particular point just something to keep in mind as we go through these models have to be in a bath together and that's the only way that they're gonna learn how to (laughs) some kind of sweaty wet situation always in every single series it's what i always say like cub rider is a show for boys to cry about how much they love each other while punching each other in like a river. <laughs> oh, 
And they're doing it for their own good. At the end of the first episode, he just kind of shows up randomly and like goes to fight the like two fangires and like the spider fangire has a like shark fangire with him and he just like owns them really bad once he transforms the emperor form like one attack and then like yeah Mm -hmm. and i like love that because like something happens in like a lot of like camera shows like the first time they get like a power up it'll be like oh like like i like needed this to handle the situation and it like is like a character moment and then the second time they use it they'll just like own somebody (laughs) really bad it's really funny to me oh and um there's a moment in the next episode where we see in parallel um him and oitoya playing for their queens um they're both playing violin like across time which i love that shit like it happens all the time in the show but it's always great honestly yeah that's definitely one of my favorite things um I think maybe the first two or three episodes we watched, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to be able to follow it as well because of the time jumps. But like once I got the hang of kind of how they were playing it out, it became one of my favorite parts of the series. Just how they do that so flawlessly. He like goes to get like a glass of water for Mia. Like after like he finds her like her does like played for her while she was sleeping and is like under the stairs little bed. And then like she just like leaves without telling him what's up mm-hmm. and he's sad of course but um <clears throat> that brings us to the character i ranked number three of importance these episodes which is nago uh who we see at the start of these two episodes telling <laughs> mio and wataru don't fuck think of humanity you dirty minds not an exact quote but <laughs> uh, they're just like talking about how they want to have dinner together. It's like you are destroying Western society or whatever he's talking about, you know? <laughs> yeah, after they just saved him, which is even funnier to me. And then we like don't see him till later when the Ixaduckle gets stolen and then he blames Megumi and then um gets like let go as Ixa by Shiba. But then at the very end of these episodes, he is like crying, like, I'm sorry about my weakness. Like, I should have let this happen. I shouldn't have blamed other people. And then like she was like, ah, you've grown. And then we see his fucking face. He's like a little motherfucker, like crocodile tears. It was all an act. <laughs> so, what do you think of that? Like the whole like fake being humble stuff going on? I kind of expected it just from the behavior his characters kind of put forward in the series so far. Um, And there are a couple times like during these episodes, like he did legitimately make me roll my eyes and just feel like, okay, I keep trying to give this guy a chance, but he's such a dick. But every once in a while, he once again does like kind of jump off rails and do something that's kind of endearing. So it's hard to, put him into that just unlikable category, but he really does do his best to tempt you throughout these episodes. I love what a messy character they make him. They're just like, what if we just made a fucked up dude? <laughs> and they never stop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one who is like so emotionally imbalanced 
but has no idea that that's his real issue. Like, he's so busy trying to blame outside forces for his failings, not realizing how much of it is just, you know, he'd be better if he pulled a stick out of his ass. Well, between the crocodile tears, there's at least two moments later of really major, whoa, what are you doing, Nago, stuff that happens. Um, But first, let's go to the fourth most important character, who is Megumi. And Megumi mm-hmm. straight up calls herself Wataru's older sister when she finds the two of them like at the cafe before Nago's like, don't destroy Western society. Get married. <laughs> don't premarital eat food. <laughs> Whatever he's talking about. Yeah. Nurse. And um, she finds out that Nago is going to be replaced as Ixa as the upgrade is ready. Um, but he hears, of course. And then, like, uh, she and Nago are trying to save, like, Mio, who's, like, getting harassed by the spider guy. And um, that's when Ixa gets stolen. And then we don't see her till the next episode, where the spider guy becomes Ixa with the puppets. <laughs> what do you think of that? I honestly... <laughs> We've had a lot of really, really good different types of, like, bad guys, puppets, like, all kinds of different, like, really flamboyant standouts as far as, like, villains in all the series that we've watched as goes. The Spider Guy is definitely one of my favorites. Um, And probably the biggest reason is because he is so over the top. It isn't just the puppets. It's every time he sees this girl, he gets super ridiculously excited. Like, in all the rest of the time you see him, he very is, like, a predatory killer. Like, and when he decides to go after people, he absolutely can do that. But this one human woman is his absolute weakness and just makes him into such, like, a Muppet to watch. And it's just hilarious. Like, I I could not help but laugh every time he was on screen. I love how she saves the day, quote unquote, by, like, walking up and being like, Oh, I see. Strong men are the best. I want to kiss you. Just give me a kiss. And he's like, yeah. oh, I have to like cancel my transformation. That's just like knees him in the ball, <laughs> throws the belt back. And he's so shocked by yeah. it. It was just it was too much. I couldn't help myself. I just I couldn't stop laughing at that entire scene. One thing that I like that actually doesn't happen in like a lot of like camera shows, like in one of my favorite shows, like happens. Uh, but um is when the belt get and then like the powers get used by different people and like I love it like anybody could be like Ixa like at this point and then like, like he just like mm-hmm. stole it it was like yeah yeah I'm Ixa now fuck you get yeah. bet <laughs> and that leads to the fifth most important person um who is Yuri and she starts by settling into the relationship kind of okay but she's still bothered when. Jiro mails back the Ixa knuckle and apologizes. And she's like, kind of like, ah, I guess Otoya is great, but also I should be doing Ixa. My mom's dead. Mom dead feels. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, um, I-, I wrote they go hunting, but like, uh, uh, she gets left alone when they're supposed to be on this like date because he like got right. the amnesia. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, she's sad, and, like, uh, she comes to the beach right as Maya is with 
Toya, and um, he's like in the water hunting for her mom's ring, and then like she sees mm-hmm. like Maya, and Maya's just like being weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Because like um, she describes love to Maya, and then sees that he's drowning, <laughs> trying to get the ring back. <laughs> Which is just perfectly their relationship in a nutshell. Um, But yeah, I think that that's the only reason I could tolerate like that whole really cheesy, once again, amnesia line, like I said earlier, was just because they wrapped it up with that situation. Like, they didn't try to drag it out. They didn't try to make it to where Queen Maya suddenly fell in love with this weird little guy who's been following her around this whole time. She legitimately was using that as an experiment. And um, they played it out really well was her kind of letting him and Yuri, you know, rediscover each other and, and figure out, you know, what they were doing with their relationship after that by just disappearing. There's this great shot of like his violin case and the rose and like his watch, like in the foreground as like, Mm -hmm. he's like giving her the ring back and they're like saying that they love each other. And like Maya's just like, interesting. I like this. Yeah. Humanity. <laughs> yeah, but that that's what makes her a fun character too. It's just how kind of like distant from everything she is, all the while like serving one of the biggest functions within her world. Yeah. Um my sixth most important character though was Mio, who sees people die at work mm-hmm. and is like, oh no, I'm killing people. And, like, breaks up with Wataru to avoid him getting killed. Um, And we briefly see Shizuka's very upset. It's like, who the hell are you? I haven't Mm -hmm. met you yet. We haven't been in the same episodes yet. This won't come up later. (laughs) Um, And then we meet Bishop. who reached out to Mio. Does her repressed power to be killing people. And she gets a hit list of, like, fangars that that love humans. Um, And when she rejects her job... The spider sees her and like attacks her with a shark friend, but she she sees that the shark friend's like attack made the like mark that was on the wall where people died. It was all a lie. Um, mm-hmm. So one thing worth noting is uh, another returning cast member is Bishop. I was just about to ask you that. That's one of my notes. Was he the same bad guy that was in our last series? He was the, like, doji, yeah. Yes, because it, there's something about the shape of his face that I, it reminds me, for some reason, of John Lennon. And I, I saw him, like, they did an up-close of him in this episode, and I was like, no fucking way. And so I wrote myself a note, like, let me ask him, is this the same guy? Yeah, I actually did not realize that connection until I saw him here. I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally the same dude. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, he kind of dresses similar in both series, too. Like, I picked, like, after I saw his face, I started looking at him and I was like, how did I not fucking catch this before? Like, it's all right there. If there was a, like, American remake of Comrade Kiva, he would have such a Plague Doctor mask tryhard thing going on. So lanky, but yeah, he'd rock it though. I feel like he'd pull it off. Uh, I can't imagine. I would hate nothing more than like a American remake of like a like our writer show, like Power Ranger stuff. But if it would like had like a celebrity cast, oh, it'd be terrible. Uh, 
Well, I, I can't think of a way that it would work because, like, if, if you look at these series, they already have so many, like, built-in kind of cheesy moments within their storylines. And then everything that, like, gets Americanized tends to come off 50 times more cheesy. So they would all literally just be, like, rom-coms in the end. There wouldn't be any, like, fighting. So Tara would be, like, Walter or some shit. Oh, Walter. You have to leave your house, Walter. <laughs> Okay, Susie, but you're 14. No, I can't. Yeah. I'm hideous. And then it'd be like somebody like uh, fucking Keanu Reeves playing him. I can't. I'm hideous. In 1998. And you'd just be going, come on. In 1998, my dad, Otto, loved to play guitar. He made guitars. Uh, <laughs> this is a curse. I have to scour the world now from my bubble. Oh. What would their names? Megan for Megumi, definitely. Nago would still be Nago for some oh, reason. For sure. <laughs> Just because. Uh, <laughs> Kanga would be like Keith or Keaton or something. Yeah. Oh, God. This is first. Um, but yeah, so. Oh, yeah. man, yeah. Bishop tells her there's going to be a new king soon. She can't lie about killing people. Um, And this, and he also hired the spider to kill her, but like it's actually to make her like awaken her powers um and right. she like fails to kill a finger so bishop just like dukes the whole couple on these steps <laughs> she's with Wataru when they get attacked and he gets beat up so she like tries to drive him away and then like that was enough distance for like the angry spider who'd been kicking the balls like that Wataru could like transform secretly and he goes right to like his final form beats the shit out of him and then <laughs> Wataru had enough that day and just did not even feel like dealing with it he was like now going straight for the big guns I'm not even wasting time I am so over this shit I'm gonna go take a bath he gets like kicked and then like at, at the end of the episode we see he survived but he's super messed up and then like Mio finds him and murks him again so he just had the worst day he just gets Uber killed. He's gonna need an extra long bath after this. <laughs> uh, but that brings us to episode uh, 27, 28. 80s, angry, rising, blue. And 28, requests, time-altering battle. And okay. <laughs> Things start to go off the rails immediately. Uh, my first character, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of shit happening. Yeah, our last few episodes here. It's, it, it starts to really pile. Uh, the first character of note for me was Nug. Um, he gets the X upgrade, um, but everybody's getting arrested. Uh, so he goes to Kengo for help. But then, like, he tries to save... Well, no, I say he tries to save somebody. What happens is, just like... In Kamen Rider, a lot of times it's like, not that they save people, it's like, oh, this person is about to get eaten. I'm going to run over, and while I'm running over, they're going to get killed, and then I'm going to fight the monster. Right. He does not save that woman in the slightest, actually. <laughs> it's a very loose definition of being a superhero in some of these situations, yes. Which is kind of why like, I love it. Like, it's not like a, it's not really that, you're not much of a, like, savior sometimes. It's like, ah. Uh, well, I guess this is like a like the monsters in Come Rider are like less. Uh, oh, no, this person's about to fall out this window as much more like I've noticed this pothole I need to beat up. <laughs> but 
I am because of watching so much toku with you, I learned the exact definition of what an anti-hero was. And I feel like that is most of these series is just dealing with these characters that get put in these situations that are sometimes ridiculous because of circumstance and sometimes ridiculous because they themselves are ridiculous. And that's what keeps the entertainment value up. Like, none of them are, like, perfect supermen. These are all, like, very fallible people, and you get to kind of, like, go on that journey with them. I mean, yeah, I just love how much they're like, oh, shit. Like, they don't really make things better (laughs) in the same way other superheroes do. Well, they're all like Batman. Like, (laughs) he's always kind of the guy that shows up after shit's already been destroyed anyway. So you're like, well, thanks, I guess. Yeah, and their aim is like, I'm going to have personal growth. And they end up like doing more people around them in the end than like a Superman. Though, because like Superman is like, he can always fight Brainiac. He's never fighting for like, he's never like helping people leave Amazon when there's a tornado coming. He's always like fighting like some bullshit, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's that uh, there's there was a joke there for a while going around about uh, if you could have any job in the Marvel Universe, it'd be like insurance agent. And I feel like that's kind of the case with almost every superhero series. Like that would be the dream job because you would never run out of money. Uh, no, uh, but just uh, other weird world situation, though, is that like we find out why the blue sky is being targeted. Basically, there's this dude who wanted to be an artist. He was working on it real hard. He got attacked by Ixa in the 80s. So he's like, 22 <laughs> years later, I'm going to get my revenge on other people, mostly. It just, this whole thing was so flimsy and arbitrary to kind of like, tie up these timelines that I was like, come on, like you've put so much effort into it this far and this is what you're going to go He with. lost his art and his so news. Kind of like, exactly. Like, and it wasn't even and then you find out who his muse was and it's just like, yeah, of course. Like, what the fuck is happening at this point? I will say though, Maya is the most she is cast perfectly if you told me somebody was like some dude's muse, I'd be oh yeah, she definitely has that look about her. But um, oh yeah, no, I I get that, but it's just I don't know. It just it felt painfully generic. Like a lot of things in the last couple episodes have been like really played to cliche, but then with this, I was just like, oh come on, <laughs> like, and you could tell like she wasn't even romantically interested in this guy or anything it was something like mostly built up in his own head it seemed so that made it even more silly to me i mean yeah like like, it's like a muse though it's not like like, romantic in the romantic sense it's romantic in the art muse ah beauty but yeah uh, i i guess it seemed very one-sided oh definitely that it was a (laughs) one-sided artistic relationship because she spends the whole time trash talking i'm like I don't think you're good at this. Like, you're kind of shitty, I think. But we'll see when you're done. Exactly. Like, show me your painting. Oh, yeah, of course it's not done yet. Like, she always had a comment for him, too, which, of course, made her even funnier than I thought she was before. But it, on the other hand, I was still just like, yeah, give it to him. That's what he deserves. Just like, like at a certain point, like, 
I think I feel like you're like getting like ragged on by this JRPG character, like in your own house. You kind of have to be like, <laughs> man, maybe I'm not good at this. Um, yeah. And she's literally just sitting on your couch flirting with the guy playing the violin that you hired from your garden. Like, come on, guy. Uh, so <laughs> what Nago gets, though, is he gets Jiro shows up and says, hey, want to go back in time? <laughs> yeah, I can help you. Yeah, I know. I've totally always been on the up and up before. You should definitely trust me now. Well, Jiro 2008 is meant to be a more stand up dude, more stand up fellow. Yeah, and I can't even say I hate it because, uh, as we found out in the last series, definitely a big fan of his, the actor and the characters he plays, and even with this one, with him playing a very uh, socially deviant character, I still enjoyed the performance and kind of getting to see him come back and try and uh, be a little bit more on the good guy side was very neat for this episode in particular. And be like another taste of his promises, which is he promised to protect the blue sky group which is like we previously heard he promised to help wataru so it's like that kind of thing so like mm-hmm. um i like it's like this like we know at some point this happened um but then like dago gets transported to like on top of a railing at a bridge and then like hotoya and like yuri immediately see him like oh no like don't kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> it was it was honestly perfect for a, a Toya's character though like it, it there was nothing about that I wouldn't have guessed that he would have done it was just it was funny all around to watch and like he's super judgmental though because like they like save him after like he almost drowns and he's like you're living in sin nurse him back to health <laughs> yes and he has the audacity he has the audacity but also He's been in Wataru's house, so he is like, okay, it's definitely 1986. I'm definitely in a house I know, and you're definitely living in sin, most importantly. And it's the 80s, and they're like, you're prude? Yeah. What are you doing? That's, that's the part that bothers him, despite the fact really found out he time-traveled. <laughs> like, he, he can accept the fact that he's suddenly in the 80s, but the fact that he's coming up against this couple that is wanting to move in together and they aren't married that's what gets under his skin and it's like come on man priorities you just found out you went back to the 80s and he is such not the guy for this job because he keeps trying to like take ixa like shima's like you're not from 2008 you jackass and then like um he's like stalking the artists <laughs> um and then like he like gets slapped by maya at one point for like ruining art when like he's stops like a playing of the violin and like she like disappears in some fog but um then like Toya shows up and says ha 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 you like Maya and then he does a joker trick with a boxing glove in his violin case saying you're too rigid to beat me I'm too free for me I have to admit that that did make me laugh hysterically for that exact reason, because I had that exact, oh my god, he just pulled like an Adam West Batman move here. Honestly, this show is extremely a like soap opera cartoon, and that's probably why like a lot of people like in the fandom don't think it's great, but I think it's it gets across character and emotion. It's just like, it's, it's fun. fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. You don't always have to have, like, character development be dark and gritty. I mean, obviously, it does work for a lot of things, but for this one, kind of everything being a little bit more offbeat and campy very much fits in with the environment, and I don't think it detracts from the fact that you can see the characters, like, legitimately struggling with real mental health issues. It just is doing it in a way that's a little bit more entertaining to watch. Yeah, it's the show very much about, like, people's emotions, and it's very much... I soap opera. Oh yeah, in a big way. There's this point, like a little later for like Nago, where um he's hurt, and um Maya stays with him and asks him about love, but he says he doesn't, mm-hmm. so she leaves. Um, but then he's like, um, wait, here's my first button. <laughs> I totally don't love you. I totally don't think you're super hot. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. It it was kind of uncomfortable to watch, but... And then for it to end with him putting his head down and going, goodbye to my first love, I was just like, shut the fuck up. You're like, you knew her for a day and a half. You're 22, Relax, or like 24, wherever the hell you are. Exactly. And like... She's an ancient goddess that would literally steal your soul just to experiment with it. Like, fucking chill, buddy. And like, the fan guy like, appears like too, is like, queen, what the hell are you doing? And he like gets this like, weird like oh she like disappeared in black rose petals like what's going on like boater face it's like okay you could handle this better <laughs> holy heavy alliteration batman and then he saves the artist and stops him from getting hit but then like jiro tells him hey you altered the timeline and now there's like another finger hanging out who, who happens to have never been killed until 2008 and he's actually like attacking now where you're at and like we see like the timeline alter too where like Kengo's like a full-fledged member of the group and all this stuff and like he and um Megumi are like fighting these like two fangires now um but then we also see that um they're friendlier with Kiva and like they like do like a like Kuga thumbs up when like Kiva like appears like I guess in the slight timeline change, they know Kiva better now. Um, but then Kengo gets hurt, uh, which comes up later. But he like gets his uh sword knife thing uh deflected back into his arm, and he's like bleeding profusely, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nago gets his own theme song, uh, individual system Nago version, as we see. Uh, the two writers use their final forms and uh, he gets like a rider kick, but like the blast of his blaster, like turns the monster to like stained glass and like blasts him back. But like he like bounces off a wall and kicks. And it's like, and that's why like I have a playful heart. <laughs> Which, good, good. This is me seizing the moment. Everyone relax. Exactly. Um, that's Nago. Nago does a lot. Um, Nago's a special guy. He's a real cool guy. He fights aliens. He's not afraid of anything. <laughs> but um, so my second character here was Wataru. Um, we we see him mm-hmm. training to get stronger, and it's going poorly because he's not very athletic. Right. He remembers an old friend with one glove named Taiga. Maybe that'll come up at some point. Um, he saves Kengo 
And Kenko does like a Todoroki like guitar, like, oh, Kamen Rider's so cool. It plays like guitar while they're fighting. Mm-hmm. Then they become temporary members of the Blue Sky when Shima tells them to. And they like test like shooting cans and stuff, but they're he's not very good at that, but Kengo is. The subtitles had Kengo saying like all right instead of like all right. Like it was like with like a W, like he was a cat boy or something, which is probably true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah his subtitles always make me laugh because they it, you can tell there's like a very de- deliberate attempt to try and get across like how he speaks but sometimes it just looks much sillier than it probably is just seeing it in written form so yeah he he cracks me up pretty consistently with that yeah i am so concerned by what's coming next for kengo though because like we see some of it this time, but I think it's going to be a rough ride for him in the near future. Uh, but yeah. looks like it, yeah. At the very end of the episode, though, uh, we see that Wataru is paying for his meal at the cafe, and like he drops his wallet, and like Nago's trying to like help him pick up his coins. He like sees his button. He's like, "Oh, where'd you get this?" And he's like, "Oh, from my mom." <laughs> and Nago's like, "What? Your mom is a mm-hmm. milf, and you're a." At a fangire? <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I mean, technically, no lies for me. Um, also, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it, you can't argue with him. <laughs> that is what he said. That is what he felt, not what he said. Like, my subtitles didn't say, Wataru, your mom's a milk. And the Queen of Fangires? No, but, you know, he was thinking it. He was like, probably your mom is the Queen of Fangires first, but... um, <laughs> We also see a, like, baby Taiga in, uh, in 1986 with Maya and the Bishop. But, um... The third character for me was Megumi. She is troubled by not being except as the upgrade happens, mm-hmm. and she also gets arrested. That's kind of what she does here. Not a ton going on. Yeah. She, she goes through it. Yeah. Uh, four for me was Yuri, uh, who invites Nago to hang out. And like, it's like, oh, like we moved in together today, but you can hang out, which that's weird. But sure. Um, and just like, you're rude, leave. Um, and also, like, she gets kidnapped by Nago, and then she and Koitoya beat the crap out of him. And there's just like point two where like um after they've beaten up like Nago, um before the scene where like Nago decides bias his first love, she like shows up and like looks at Yuri and like looks at Kotoya with some real like home wrecker energy, just like he's yeah, like he <laughs> might be yours for now, but that's just because and uh the fifth character for me was Koitoya, who is growing flowers with his music when the artist comes up to him. <laughs> he's like making them come back to life in blue. Mm-hmm. And he's convinced to play for Maya as she's painted because uh, she says, or like the artist says, no. What Maya says is, you're a genius. And he says, I'm well aware, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> And Maya, yeah. Yeah. 
he's a uh, he's he's a lot of fun, especially in these last few, because you start to really see a little bit more of like the depth of his character come out. Um, and especially with the way he interacts with Maya, it is a lot of fun to, you know, see him be a little bit more dynamic than he has been up to this point. Yeah, he was just like pursuing Yuri and now he's much more like not pursuing somebody but like Maya's really throwing herself at him too just like it must be sad that you've never met somebody who could understand you as a genius and he's like well that is mm-hmm. true <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned at that point because he does have a big ego and he does like to have it stroked but I mean you can see like kind of with his interactions how much he definitely is in love with yuri too so even with all that he's just like eh, well yeah i expect beautiful women to be in love with me and then just goes on with this day yeah um i had like a note for this chunk where i was like maya's definitely like for research or for like boredom like randomly like fuck some people in like history though because like she definitely has that vibe too of like oh what's love i just had like a bunch of weird roman orgies and that kind of stuff What's that about? <laughs> yeah, probably so. She's just like, for science. Like, everything she does, it's for science. Yeah. Uh, so, these next three episodes kind of break down a little bit. Because we kind of get like a three-episode arc. And then we also get like, they go right into the fourth episode. So, I would try a little bit more um, mm-hmm. to make this make sense by timeline a little bit. Um so, uh, we see that Yuri and Kotoya are talking about um, her feelings as a like warrior, basically, and how she's not all the way good um, with mm-hmm. the fact that, like Rook's out there, she's not Ixa, and she like can't be happy. She has to be a warrior. Um, and the Rook kills this random dude to start like a like sunglass game, but then Jiro appears to fight him. Um, he gets beat to crap and like gets like a like cool slash on his face, and he goes to the boys for help, but also Oitoya. It says, "I think all four of us got this," uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't got this. <laughs> they get their asses kicked. They yes, very much get uh, owned, as they say on the interwebs. And like she tells them, I'm still gonna hunt Rook and stuff, and um it doesn't go particularly well when she does get a piece of him. He's like she's like slashing him and everything, and like he's just like no selling it. There's like a pretty funny scene though where like they're trying to lead her away from Rook by having like Ricky dress up like him and like run through the forest. Yeah. And she makes a bleed. It's it's an interesting strategy, to say the least. Yeah. Like How'd that work out for them, Cotton? I don't know, but and in the present, um, my second character was uh Wataru, who is just trying to talk to Mio and stuff, and Shizuka is on one. She butts in hard this episode. Um mm-hmm. and he's doing stuff like getting s- scrubs clean for a like new date, and like we see like Mio has like new shoes, like new date shoes, and it's like Shizuka's like Oh yeah? You sure about that? Like new shoot like new polka dot <laughs> shoes for a date? I don't think so. Guitar is mine. 
and just <laughs> like uh there's like a lot of like um small scenes for like Mio here where like she gets told by like Bishop that like the king and the queen are like fated to be together. She's like, and I bought new polka dot shoes for my date. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Shizuka pretends not the polka dots. Like, oh my god! Like what an archetypical like magical like this could be like a like trope basically like oh like not my polka dot date shoes but she gets them and she's like very excited for her, like her date uh and shizuka just is plays up the whole time like lying to her like oh yeah like he doesn't want to see you he's my fiance all this stuff and she's 14 <laughs> Right, and and doesn't he, like, the show doesn't even have, like, a 50-year-old lady playing a 14-year-old. This is very obviously a young person playing this character, so there's no, like, hiding behind anything with it. And, like, I do appreciate how it's, like, this is the 14-year-old doing this. This isn't, like, the 22-year-old, like, even knowing about this until way later, but, right. yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> There's a cowboy attacking magicians too. Um and the last thing for Mio is that like she's like watching Wataru like looking at like a picture of him on her flip phone, which is the most like vibey I'm sad thing I've ever seen. Like to match her like date shoes booked <laughs> up. But no, um so Wataru goes to visit Kengo, um and he finds out that he has nerve damage and can't play guitar anymore, but like he doesn't tell him. He just is like nervous or kind of assumes the doctors will tell him at some point. And it seems like the doctors weren't gonna tell him, which is fucked up. It's, it's messed yeah, up. That's uh it feels like that's a lawsuit waiting to happen, honestly. Yeah. Um and like um he's just like attacked by the cowboy, who we don't get a name for, I don't think, but he's a uh warthog fan guy, or he's strong and a match for like Emperor form. Um, and then we see like he's like getting tips for like asking Mio on a date from Kivat, who's like has some fake eyelashes on, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um The Kivat scenes are always entertaining too, I will say. I love how Kivat's like this uh his like uncle basically. It's great. I do too, and the fact that he he's always just kind of doing his own thing like he'll be taking his own little bath in the soap dish the whole time he's giving him shit like it's it, he's just funny to watch yeah and when Mio doesn't pick up because she thinks like oh this guy's got a 14 year old fiance and he's cheating on her with me I, I can't go on a date with him that's when Shizuka like tells him to take her and like there's also this point where like before this I think Shizuka takes him out and then makes him go get her a drink just so she can like make Mio think that they're like even more together. Like, look at that. Like, he cares about me so much. He doesn't care about you. He's not even at your date. Yeah. Like, oh my God. That's, that was weird to see. Yeah. I was like, ugh, cringe. God, that's uncomfortable to watch. Also, like, Chizuka, like, this dude's like not good at people. This dude, like, you make fun of him at some point for like, Oh, like you finally have a friend. Like, what are you gonna do if he's not your friend? You know, the same thing goes for like a girlfriend or something, Shizuka. You could like be a little understanding. Uh right. And then um there's a like um 
more cowboy stuff. He's like attacking more dudes and talking to Bishop. And then we see um, Kengo freaks out when he like learns he can't play guitar and is very mad at Wataru. Um, and then we also see that there's like because Wataru doesn't have enough to deal yeah, with he's right now. Just chock block full of stuff. Uh, we also see that that the Rook um, in 2008 is like I'm bored of all my games. He sees this mother telling her daughter about this like fairy tale where this person goes to heaven. He's like, ah, I want to go to heaven. And like, he's like bringing old ladies to the hospital and like helping people out and stuff. And it's very strange. It is, but I couldn't help but laugh at it. Just, I mean, Rook, for the most part, his speed runs had been keeping me entertained anyway. But for this to be his next one, like for him just to decide one day, Oh, well, now I'm a good guy because I want to go see what heaven's like. It just it it was a never ending source of joy for me. Yeah, just what a weird dude for soap operas. <laughs> Love him. Right. Yeah. Oh, um, we see with um Megumi that um her brother's here um and is trying to get her to stop and go work for the family business, I guess. Mm. Yeah, and like, there's lots of small scenes like you're not eating in the right order. It's fish, rice, and broth, not like mixed up like that. <laughs> yeah, you you can definitely see there's an interesting family dynamic there because her and her brother are like night and day. So it, that definitely uh, those couple of small scenes they have together really illustrate that well. So I'm have to assume they're probably like half siblings. And they have, yeah. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> well, like, here's the thing. Megumi is the same age or older than Wataru. Right. He's a couple of years younger, her younger brother. Um, So I'm assuming that's what's going on there. That, like, the dad they both have isn't her dad biologically. That but makes sense. I guess I have no way of knowing. The show just, like, does stuff. <laughs> Things just happen. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I have to take down Rook. And like her brother gives his his lottery winnings to Shima. But he's like, it's OK. I've got the money. You don't have to quit. And she's like, OK, still annoying, though. Um, <laughs> in the end of uh, the first episode is that she's fighting Rook as like her mom's fighting Rook. And they're both just doing nothing. And they get wrecked and their arms are bleeding and they're like messed up. Mm-hmm. The end of these two episodes was that Rook asks the red man on the roof if he's in like any trouble. And um that's when the cowboy shows up and like they're fighting, and then like Nago shows up and fights, and then like Wataru shows up and fights. It's, like, it's a whole like clusterfuck. That leads us to Nago, who is pondering a lot. He knows that Wataru is Kiva now. Or mm-hmm. he knows that, that his mom is a fangire. He does not know that. He's Kiva, but like he comes to him mad to like figure him out and then like tries to bathe with him to help him and investigate. And like Shizuka tries to like appear while they're bathing and he's like, ah, what are you doing, 14 year old girl? Because this is a completely normal scene. Let's all jump in here together. And when Shizuka finds out through this uh, interception by Nago about like, why Wataru is like sad about like Mio. She gets really sad and like gets the tickets to like a 
weird theater thing and they go on a date and they're okay and like she apologizes and be like hey um sorry i said i was your fiance yeah i ruined your life my bad i don't know what happened i'm 14 it sometimes i just do things <laughs> which is true sounded like a good idea at the time it's fine we also see uh this um scene where at the very end nago and bishop both see that wataru is key because you just like Kansas's transformation in the middle of a like fight, like right where the fight scene ended, basically without mm-hmm. like going anywhere, which is a bad form, not a good idea. <laughs> not what he's done in the past. No. One miscellaneous note is that um, Kotoya is um, in heart shaped sunglasses at one point here because they're all trying to like draw in Rook, who's doing like a like sunglass game. It's like a whole thing. It's like okay, um, and then also. There's a moment too where um I forget if this is this episode or the next set, but he like has a burn on his finger and then Maya blows on it and he has this like look of sheer pleasure on his face and then like his finger gets healed. It's a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Uh but these uh do dovetail nicely into the next set of episodes. Uh which are Episode 31, Applause, Motherly Dedication Transformation, and 32, New World, another Kiva. Uh, um, and uh, Wataru has to reckon with Nago knowing he's Kiva. Um, and Nago is alright with him as though, well, like, you could be my pupil again. And then Kego overhears, and like, it's not like a misunderstanding, he only hears part of it. Nago goes in and is like, yeah, fuck Kengo, I don't care about that dipshit. I hate that dude. Go to hell. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was a lot. As as a lot of things during this arc have been. Once again, that was a lot. And Kengo's in like this dark place with like no dream, no friends, no mentor. And like Shima shows up with an umbrella to prey on him and be like, I will mold you into my tool. <sighs> and uh her was sad about it and talks Mio and um we hear about like the story of like Tiger which will come up later but um then we get to uh some more like Kotoya who is asleep at a fountain at the start of this um first episode which I think actually where um she plays his violin and can play it like him and they talk telepathically while she's playing violin about how much they like violin and this is when she blows out his finger <laughs> yeah the, the violin telepathy is a lot and I love it yeah <laughs> yeah it was very cartoonish um, in a show that already had some very very campy moments that definitely looked like something out of a cartoon I couldn't think of any other way to better describe it I love all the violin show I would love to see like the what does a violin expert think about copywriter Kiva or whatever professional violinist not a violin expert I there's real words that would be so much fun though um violin expert or not but here um let's go to Mio and then we'll go to the mother and daughter though because um Mio's grabbed by Bishop from her date for a meeting of all 
the checkmate for. Uh, she gets an ankle charm and um, and told that she has to fight Kiva at some point when the king shows up, but we don't see him yet. Um, and then we get to the meat of the episodes, uh, the prime point of this, which is Yuri and Megumi are messed up about their dead bombs and about Rook. Um, <laughs> and in the 80s, we see that they're making a plan because the boys are all hurt. And it's like, oh, they weren't strong enough to play the work together. We get this like scene of Yuri running away from the boys with the Ixa knuckle. And um, she gives it to Rook to be like, I don't care. Please save me and fight them. And then they're like, no, Yuri, you cannot do that. That's too dangerous. It's like, <laughs> no, please. It'll it's like really fun. He fights with it because he thinks it's fun to use as a fun game, but it backfires and weakens him. And then they all start ganging up on him and fighting him now. Of course. Uh, in the 2000s, we get like the dual fight scene happening with the two final forms and the cowboy and like Rook and stuff. And then here um, we get a um, moment, though, where in both timelines, Yuri and Megumi get given the Ixanuckle. And what do you think about how this played out, Steph? It was, um, well, I mean, like everything else, it, it was a lot processing at one time. But I don't know. I just I felt like it once again was another one of those situations where the characters really played it true to, you know, how they had been kind of interpreting the world up until that point. And I, I don't know. It just it felt right for, you know, just the way that we had gotten to this point. I really do think that um, of all the times we see a split or interplay between two moments in the timelines, this is one of the be the better ones, just because the split mm -hmm. fight scene and the split transformation and the mother daughter, like both becoming Ixa and like. Yuri's making the weakness and Megumi's making the final blow. It's um a pretty good scene because like they also get their own character song where I think they either sing it together or they each get their own version or maybe they sing it together but they also get their own version where it's just like it's like half English like half Japanese like we feel the same across time. It's like a very like the kind of moment like these shows love, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you know, it was just, it was fun to kind of finally see what they had been working towards the entire series come together. And then for it to happen, just the way that it was written and played out was, it was really satisfying, especially if it was something like for someone like me, who was kind of on the end of their seat, like, are they ever going to get to be the Ixar or not? Like it, it was just, it was really great to watch. And this is like kind of like a watershedy moment for female writers. Like, cause like it, like, uh, there haven't been a lot and most of them are like not around for more than like one or two episodes. So like, this is like still kind of in the trend of them not mm -hmm. being super relevant or like long lasting, but it's like, a. They don't have a tragic fate. <laughs> uh, right. And they um get to be a writer and have like a big character moment. And that's more than 
the writers before them have gotten like they get like a triumphant important moment and like basically like the like cap off to this part of the show like the first half even though it's like more like two-thirds or like the first part of the show is over now we're in like part whatever like whatever you want to say you know which is a lot yeah yeah and it wasn't like watered down by the rest of the cast like they legitimately got a real part of the show it was very cool i thought i think maybe like three or four female writers before this and i think with the exception of the one that we saw in hibiki they were all characters in a movie and the one we saw in hibiki was in two episodes and died tragically Yeah, I was about to say, like, and she was one that I had been, despite the fact that her character was kind of going against the interests of everyone else, she was someone I'd been excited about. And then for to make an appearance and then be gone so quickly really left me wanting. So it was nice to see with this show for that to actually get to play out and actually come to something instead of just being like a throwaway kind of storyline off to the side. Yeah. Um movements around like various subjects like race and gender and like sexuality are not the same as they as we would know them in japan there's definitely a lot of movement as they become more mainstream and like more like community stock be like hey but it's definitely in like a different place in these franchises but it is like definitely a night and day improvement where like there are just like more female writers and they don't tend to have a tragic two episode arc and be gone <laughs> nowadays <laughs> so yeah definitely an improvement but this was like a big moment at the time it definitely it improved it and like it still like stands out as like a big plot it's a long-term plot for this show mm-hmm. but yeah um and that leads us to our last episode which starts with uh, Mio transforms the first time into Bengar form and attacks Kiva, and Kiva attacks back, and then they separate. And Wataru is like, "Ah, my arm hurts." And then he's like, "Oh no, Mio, you're on the ground, and you are bleeding from where Kiva kicked that Bengar." That's odd. <laughs> anyway, come to my house. So weird. <laughs> though uh what do you think of the scene where they're bandaging each other I, it made me feel weird i i'll be perfectly honest like i i understood it and i could see where it would have value just i i don't know it it felt weird i thought it was so dumb and awkward but also it's such a um we are a drama we are a romance we are this melodrama we're going to show these two <laughs> characters like wrapping each other's wounds like gift of the magi style and like getting caught up in like the rapid entwined and like being too awkward this show does not care i know it it felt like it was like if it had been any other show it would have been like this sexy like ghost moment you know like with the pottery that that iconic scene it felt like that's kind of what they were going for but you just you can't do that with two characters that are as awkward as those two are um and have it be anything but comedy so i'm not sure that that's what they were intending but just it was i don't think it was meant to be sexy once again a lot it was meant to be awkward (laughs) and sweet and tragic and just 
I just I could see why like the like hardcore dudes rock let's see cool guys group would be like this show is lame they put on bandages and they're awkward they should <laughs> but yeah um and then like the main other thing that happens is um you can tell we remember this episode more it's not just like all notes and recap which next time i definitely don't want to be talking so much but uh <laughs> we meet taiga <laughs> and uh what do you think of taiga um well I, I, first off i do have to say i'm always excited when we get to kind of see a character really start to be formed and developed on the other hand uh i'm not i feel like i'm gonna reserve judgment on that's this fair one because it's very easy in these series to like get wrapped up in first impressions and then get proven wrong like two episodes later so i'm gonna hold judgment he seems like he's going to turn into a really like interesting storyline but yeah you never know i love how the story is when i was a kid <laughs> I met this other kid who stopped me from being bullied, and he was always wearing a glove, and we made sandcastles, and he's always wearing a glove. And then when I'm 22, I'm chasing down this bounty for this puritanical friend I have, and I'm going to throw my shoe at this bounty hunter who's going to try to beat me up in this like sand pit, and then my friend's going to come back and beat him up, and, and then we're going to know it's who we are, because we both I'm wearing the same scarf or he's wearing the same glove and we're going to make a sandcastle together. <laughs> what a... Of course. What a dumb show in the most pure, best, batshit way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not even trying to hide the fact that they're making it a soap opera at this point. This is what, like, what people get from, like, Riverdale. Honestly. Yeah, I could see that. I think I got through a season and a half of that before I couldn't anymore. So I, I applaud people who stuck with that one long term because. But yeah, I can also see the similarities you're drawing now also come to think. It, it definitely helps, though. This is like a Riverdale that can only go for one year. So they can't like make them go like to war at high school or fight bears or whatever's going on in that show. That's true. Yeah, they can't they can't drag this death out for multiple years. So that's a good thing. The role of Taiga as king is to stop human development so they can't threaten Fangire. So he like goes to a company that's making a laser proof alloy and kills them all. Like, OK, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, as one does. Yeah, we see him meet with Wataru and like Megumi at hey, like cafe where like Megumi flirts and is like, Oh, he's so handsome and rich and stuff. That's fun. But also finds out that like he has a fiance and he's kind of rude or whatever, like not flirting back. And uh, <laughs> what I wrote is they talk about their fiance and girlfriend in Mio that they share but don't know about yet. Uh, <laughs> which is true. That is who they talk about. <laughs> uh, I like the way that Taiga tries to engage with Mio and be like, I read out this whole restaurant. Here's a bunch of paella. It sucks to be an arranged marriage, huh? Well, anyway, let's have a good working relationship. <laughs> uh. he, he does do a very good job of playing that. Yes, I too am human. I am definitely not an alien. Like, 
kind of uh, silly character that you sometimes see in series. So yeah, that's definitely uh, something that I enjoyed watching. And it seems to be the gay like character trait. He doesn't take his glove off. And he doesn't eat, <laughs> which does make him seem weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, especially if you're sitting in a restaurant, that would definitely be the first way you draw attention to yourself. Yeah. And um, there's like another thing, like a drug that makes people good at exercise that the moose, like butler guy, kills the person there and then fights Kiva. I was like, oh, next time what's going to happen? Um, I forget what happens in the uh, what happens in the 80s. This episode. Uh, uh, you got me. I didn't write any notes for this one for some reason because something in my head told me you'll definitely remember this. Like I said, next time I think we like won't be in a weird way. We'll be able to like have a more conversation. But um, <laughs> oh, reading off Wikipedia in 1986, after she succeeded in defeating the Rook and Avenging her mother's death, Yuri questions. Her next step and considers marriage to Hotoya as he gets himself burned by the iron. Um, he later finds Mai with a violin, and that's when she um does telepathy with him about because they're so good at violin, and then like blows on his finger to heal it. And then we see that Ricky arrives to fight her to like show Hotoya that she's a fangire. So okay, that's it. <laughs> The answer is there's like three seeds like a, in the eighties this time. <laughs> I can I can see like dialogue wise how those three scenes could drag out for quite a bit though. Yeah. And uh I just summarized eight episodes we kinda don't remember for from two weeks ago and boy are my arms tired. <laughs> but uh yeah, um what are your thoughts on the show stuff as we're at that point though? Because we just uh a good chunk, I felt like. Well, I know that I didn't um, do my notes as well this time as I usually do, but I, it doesn't take away from the fact that I have been enjoying this series very much, and even as silly as it seemed to be getting like episode by episode, I still very much look forward to watching them and have gotten engrossed in all of the storylines, no matter how silly they are. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to see where the next set of episodes takes us. This show is a character study. It cares very much about like the emotional arc of these characters and like it has like a generational thing going on. I think we're gonna see more of it. I like how it's also like and we're gonna be a melodrama, like we're to be a comedy. Like it's fun to look at characters. The best way to make this character work is if this guy just has a violin case of a punching with a boxing glove in it, you know? <laughs> so I'm all for mm-hmm. that. Um yeah. More of the echoing generational stuff I know is going to come up. It's been so long since I watched the show, so I'm not sure to what extent, but I know that the show kind of like connects some of the stuff together more. So I'm excited to see. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, something really quick I want to talk about uh, before we wrap up is we are getting close to uh, end of Kiva. So what that means is that uh, in two weeks, we have part five, which we'll be looking at episodes 33 through 40 of Kamerad Kiva. We're also going to be looking at the Kamerad Kiva. You could be Kiva to hyper battle video, which is like a choose your own adventure thing. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> that's an odd one. Um, <laughs> and then there is a Kiva movie, which I think the plan right now is between now and next time we're gonna have a a like smaller bonus episode just on that. Um, and to would you like the like top level like uh teaser for that movie or no? So I don't remember, but what I do remember is there's a guy in prison and then he gets out of prison because there's a bunch of mythical monsters. <laughs> it's not super canon. There's some time travel shenanigans. Otoya finds out that in 2008 they have thongs and he loves it. Oh, that's all I know. It's been while I watch this movie. Why? Kind of sounds like our Valentine's Day movie, so yeah, I'm down Oh for shit, it. you're right. Oh, there is a second <laughs> returning character in his episodes. Um, oh. Tyga is played by the homeless Sherlock, to- the homeless Sherlock Holmes character from Cutie Honey, the actor. Oh, jeez, look at that. Yeah. We just got a web going here. A lot of crossover, and we're also thinking next um of the shows that we will do next um we're running a little long so next time at the start I'll, we'll talk about them but we have narrowed it down to three shows and, and we are going to either cover Kamen Rider Deno which was one of our finalists last time Kamen Rider Fies or Kamen Rider Blade and we will have a conversation there but uh for now Steph my question for you is who were your top three characters this go around top two characters i'm gonna have to go with uh jiro because god i enjoyed getting to uh see him come out and uh kind of have a little bit of a redemption there um let's see um probably wataru again just because I I don't know. I just I enjoy him. I I like the fact that he can play a badass superhero one minute and such a kind of fumbling awkward guy the next. And um Guri again because she has a lot of moments where she kind of gets to kick ass in a really understated way. So yeah, I know repeats, but I've just been enjoying them. I'd say Yuri and Matar are big for me for the same reason you listed. I'm going to say also Kengo, just because he's a character who like is mostly a black box to me. Like, I just don't remember what he does having watched the show when it came out. And I definitely think it's a little darker or more interesting. Just the way that he's like loses everything. And then just like Shima is right there to like take advantage of him. Like, don't worry, I'll give your life meaning. Just give me your life. Yeah, yeah. It seems like we're going to get to some really interesting story with him. So, yeah, I can see that. Uh, so we have the call shot. Uh, if not that, then Mio. Mio's great. I kind of love the amount that she's getting. She's getting way more than I remember her getting. But, like, she's, like, mm-hmm. been a relevant, like, character, like, as far as, like, having an arc each episode. Yeah. What are your favorite designs and effects of this uh, chunk. Oh, that's tough. My favorite ones, honestly, I, I always um, 
find a lot to be impressed by, but anytime uh, Queen Maya goes to uh, attack one of the Fingeri, and they do that really cheesy kind of like outrun background with like the dyed purple moon and everything. I, it just I get the biggest kick out of that. I, and I can't even explain why, but I just love it so much. Yeah, um, we're going to see we only saw him like in the shadows, but I do love the design of um, the new common rider that we see um, at the very end. Mm-hmm. I I know what he looks like when he's not in the shadows, but. We'll have that conversation next time, but uh, okay. <laughs> still, uh, what outfits were the best? Any stand outfits? <sighs> yes. Uh, oh gosh, why can't I remember her name now? The one that Spider Man is in love with, or Spider Monster is in love with. Megumi. Yes, the that uh Short? like yeah outfit she's wearing when she kicks his butt in the park. I don't know why it just it was so perfectly suited to that entire like scene and atmosphere. It it definitely stood out for me, like her romper that she's wearing. Yeah, she's wearing like a romper, but I think it might be like disconnected at some points. Has like tights underneath or something. It's a wild look. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely like that entire thing was stand out. But yeah, her outfit definitely stood out for me in that. No, oh, yeah. Um, I. Uh, an honorable mention to uh the artist who's just in like a t-shirt and like jeans and ever shows up and he's like 50 and it's like please my muse oh yeah I'm a young artist I need to <laughs> muse my muse hello children <laughs> hey chef uh, <laughs> that was a lot but I am very excited for next time but question for you, Steph, is uh, where can people find you and the stuff that you do when you're uh, not on Common Rider? Oh, goodness. Um, so you can find me on Twitter on uh, hat underscore sis. Um, www.arcademilitia.com for the show that I do with Jackie. Um, we just recorded another episode we should be releasing by the end of this week, I believe. You can um, find the episodes on the website or there's plenty of links to find other things and aside from that i'm usually just trying to hide away from all the disease that's in the world right now so can't really find me too much other places just like nago exactly i'm just going to go hide in my bathtub i think all right uh you can find me on twitter.com forge you can find the podcast at copymerry.com for episodes and articles copymerry.com slash episodes for links out to different platforms there's skymemory.com slash merch for our merch with all proceeds going to to charity. Uh, it reverts to the Trevor Project because we like don't have one in particular right now, but it's a worthy cause. We don't have like a aim really, <laughs> but um, you know, obviously <laughs> we're aimless. You know, sometimes like you don't have like a like pet. This needs help right now, and this like will always need some help. But uh, there is also a rate and view on. Apple Podcasts, that's very important. Uh we have a giveaway coming up in a couple more reviews. Uh I believe that was for uh progress key for Comrade Game is what we said. So when that comes up, that comes up. Uh there's also reviews on Spotify. I don't think they matter at all, but if you do one, I'll talk about it. 
Uh, <laughs> you know. And uh, when this comes out, uh, the next couple episodes will be uh, in the name of the moon. I'll podcast you on the Monday after this. There will be uh, that. There will be uh, uh, the uh, next uh, Jetman and Comrade Build episode on the Friday after that. And then soon after that will be the uh, Kiva movie episode and our next Kiva, which is those 33, 44. So a lot of fun stuff coming up. Uh, and yeah, with that, what should we leave them with? Um, I'm just going to leave them with that's a lot because I feel like that's I said that way too much during this episode and that was a lot of the story arc. So yeah, just it's a lot right now, everybody. Just take some time to relax. Yeah, I feel like I said the F word a lot this episode. So, <laughs> so go with yeah. that. So that's a lot. Fuck or fuck that's a lot. Right. Yes. No. <laughs>